One of the most profound things we see in scripture, two images that come to my mind right now is the presence of the Lord is here with us. Moses has gathered together the people of Israel and they're standing as the glory of God comes upon the earth. That must have been a sight to see. And the other image that I'm thinking about now is Jesus standing on a mountainside and thousands of people are gathered to hear him. And the glory of God is in that place. I don't know if she knew it, but she just brought in the glory of God in this place. It is such a wonderful presence. I can't add to this. Only God can. When I was in the back, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and he, and he reminded me that the gateway to God is Jesus. When we come to Jesus, when we glorify Jesus, when we worship Jesus, Jesus opens the gate for the glory of his Father to come in among us. And that's what has happened this morning. When we worship Jesus, the Son of God, he opens the gate for the glory of his Father to come in among us. Isn't that sweet? Not so much movement right now, folks. There's a sweet spirit here. I don't want to quench that. Please remain seated for a moment. Every head bow, please. Lord Jesus, there's no greater presence than your presence. Help us to fully understand right now when you said that you're the door, you are the gate. And not only that, Lord, you said that you're the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. And Lord, your sheep, we have gathered in your name. And we're standing at the gate. And we're asking you, Lord Jesus, to let us in. Let us into the presence of God the Father to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because, Lord, that's what the Father desires. That's what he seeks after. And that's why your people come together today around the world, not just in this place, as Deacon Clinton said, but your children, all of your children on this day are gathered in your name because we want nothing but the presence of God with us. And as your spirit just reminded me, as Moses was standing before you, Father, he said, we are not going anywhere unless your presence is with us. Lord, 
There's nothing greater than your presence being with your people. And this morning, Lord, on one accord, we, your children sitting here, we desire your presence more than anything. We desire you, O oh God, to walk among us, that they were singing, to, to dance with you, Lord, to, to sing praises to your holy and glorious name. And so, Lord Jesus, it is you who have made this possible. All of us this morning have health and strength because of you and was able to get in these things we call cars and come to this place and to fellowship with you, to break bread with you in the spirit and to love you face to face. And Lord God, there's nothing greater than the children of God coming together into your presence. And Father, this morning, we thank you that you've already worked in our midst by just showing up, Lord God. And, and once again, Holy Spirit, you reminded me that when the glory of God came in amongst the children of Israel, the priest could not minister. Because what could we add to, Lord, than what you already have for us, your presence? And Father, that's why Lord Jesus came, to bring the presence of God back among men, back to the human race. And so, Father, this morning, we're praying and asking you, O oh God, to accept us, Lord, to be with us, Lord, to just come down, Lord, and we know that you're here in the spirit. And Jesus, just have your way and let everything we do this morning be pleasing to your sight. And let the meditation of our prayers, not only our prayers, Lord God, but our praises be pleasing to you, O God, our Redeemer. And Father, we continue to ask you to watch over your people Israel. You have not swept Israel to the side. But they are your chosen people, the apple of your eye. And we're asking you, your holy city, Jerusalem, Mount Zion, belongs to you, O God. And we're asking you in Jesus' name to allow your presence, your peace to be with your people today. And protect them from the enemies that have surrounded them. And then, God, for your church, which made up first of Israel and then the Gentile nations. Lord, will you have your way among us right now? Will you invite more from around this world into your eternal kingdom? Lord, today somebody's going to hear you speak to their hearts. Somebody's going to be moved by your spirit and convicted of sin, Lord, and they're going to know that they have sinned against you, God, who is holy. All of us know that because your word says that we all have sinned and come short of your glory. And that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's what we're excited about, that you've given us your son, Jesus. And Jesus, you have given us to your father. What more in life can anybody have? Absolutely nothing, because that tops it all. And so, Father, here in these United States, we're asking you, Lord, to... Send down an anointing upon your people. Father, it's a state of confusion. There's a spirit of confusion in our land right now. And we're asking that by your spirit, 
Lord, speak to your children. Awaken your children now so that these United States can see that God is in America and that Jesus reigns supreme here and that the name of Jesus will echo from, from shore to shore, from the north to the south and from the east to the west and from every mountaintop to every valley low, from every highway and byway, from the White House to the littlest house on the corner, the name of Jesus is exalted. And Lord, we thank you that you alone is Lord, and we love you. Now, Father, if it's pleasing in your sight, O oh God, have your spirit to give us wisdom from on high as we listen to your word, as we sit at the feet of Jesus and watch the event continue to take place in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, where you're in the courtyard of God there at the temple, as you are facing a hostile crowd, Lord, let us be eyewitnesses of this in the spirit. Let us see what you do as you exalt the Father in their presence and determine to let them know that you are from God and God is your Father and that you were there not to condemn them of their sins, but to save them from their sins by turning their hearts back to God. And so, Lord Jesus, as we look into your holy word now, speak for your children are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. In the Lord awesome. Yes. Now come on now. In the Lord awesome in all of his ways. Somebody, yes, give him some glory. I want you all to know that Jesus Christ is the glory of his church. Amen. Amen. We gather here because of Jesus. Everything we do is because of Jesus, okay? And nothing that we do involves ourselves alone. Everything is done by and for Jesus. Amen? And the Holy Spirit has empowered us to proclaim the name of Jesus here in this place today because it is important, it is in, it, you know, essential to your very life, your very breath, that you know that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the living son of the living God. Amen? Notice how I said that he is the living son of the living God. And if your religion around the world can't say that, you got the wrong religion. In fact, kick religion out the door and get Jesus. Amen? Amen. And when you do that, you have everything you need. Because Jesus alone will take you into the heart of the Father. We're looking at, again, on the latter part of the Gospel of John in verse, uh, chapter 8, starting at verse 39. Jesus is at the height of his his conversation with the Jews who have heightened their hostility towards him. And what you're going to see, you're going to see emotions run crazy. You're going to see people attitudes just get absolutely nasty with the Lord. And they're at the point right now, if it was possible, they would pull every limb from him. They would tear him apart. And what they could not see is that Jesus was there on their behalf and it would be to their advantage to listen to him. And he was not trying to belittle them. He was not talking condescendingly to them. He was not talking down on them in no shape, form, or fashion. He knew that they were Abraham descendant by bloodline. He knew that God made Abraham. 
He knew that God made Sarah, and he knew that God birthed the first person for the nation of Israel, and that person was Isaac. Okay? Jesus knew this. Why? Because he was there when God did it. Amen? Amen. So nothing caught God by surprise. Nothing caught Jesus by surprise. So this hostile crowd, all they could see is a man that is from Nazareth. All they can see is that they know he's doing some good things. I mean, how can you refute it? He had already healed the man that had been at the pool of Bethesda for 38 long years. They knew that. They knew it was Jesus who had healed them. They also were aware that Jesus did other things in their midst. And what's so sad is that they had just left from one of their high feasts. If you start in chapter 7, Jesus was headed to Jerusalem for one of the high feast celebrations. And it could have very well been Passover. Okay? And it was at that time that his own brothers began to ridicule him and said, why don't you go on up to Jerusalem? You know, how could someone with your caliber, with your status, with your notoriety, stay back and hide himself from the people who supposedly love you? What they were doing was mocking him because the scripture tells us that they didn't believe in him. And it was at that feast that Jesus stood up and told them, if any man thirst, let him do what? Come to him and he will give them what? Living water that will spring up from the inside of them that they would never thirst again. What was he talking about today? He was talking about the giving of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And they didn't understand that. It's remarkable how the rabbis, the Pharisees, and the scribes, and all these, they had studied the scripture all of their lives, longer probably than Jesus been in the world as a human. And yet, they were blinded to the things that Jesus was teaching. Because the very essence of those things that Jesus was teaching were in the scriptures. Jesus did not teach them anything that were outside of the scriptures. What he did, he opened our minds to see exactly what the scripture had been telling them all along. <laughs> you follow all the feasts, all of the feasts, the Feast of Dedication, the Feast of Lights, uh, Passover, the Feast of Boo, uh, Yom Kippur, when they talk about the Day of Atonement, all of that points to who? To Jesus. And Jesus, in turn, point all of that to who? To the Father. And it was very easy for them to see it. But this crowd, boy, they was angry. Something is talking back there. I don't know what it is. But Anyway, uh, we're going to go on. I don't know what it is, but uh, to God be the glory. Uh, I want you to understand that you are now in the spirit. And you are now back in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And you are firsthand eyewitnesses of the event, what's going on. God has now allowed you to stand on the sidelines and you're going to watch your Savior. You're going to watch our Lord handle this hostile crowd.
And you're going to see how they're so angry that they're gashing upon him with their teeth. In other words, they're saying mean and nasty things to him. However, there's one thing that they did not know. They did not know they were talking to God face to face. And everything they had just said is now been recorded in the heart of God. Imagine that. So here we are from the scriptures. It's very much alive, everybody. This is not a fairy tale. This is a real live event taking place with real people, with the real son of God. Verse 39. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. father. I don't know why they thought they needed to remind Jesus where they came from. Because who knows Israel's history better than Jesus? And they were adamant about that thing too. We are Abraham's children. In a sense, they just played the religious card with God. Now, how are you going to tell God about God? Because that's what they were doing. We're Abraham's children. Well, I can see the Lord Jesus now looking at them going, I remember when I placed Abraham in his mother's womb. I remember him growing up. I remember him selling false idols and worshiping false gods. But my hand had already chosen him. And I remember when I told him when he was 75 years old, Abram, come out from your father's house and go to a place in which I will show you. And by the way, Abram, you and your wife are going to have a son. The wife is Miss Marie age. Okay, I had to go there, didn't I? <laughs> Lord, please let some compassion come out of that one. Because I want to get home alive. <laughs> But understand that Jesus knows the history of Israel better than the folks that are standing in front of him getting nasty with him. And so they go on to say, after, you know, could you just see the expression on their faces? Boy, they thought they made a very bold statement. Abraham is our father. 
And I can see the Lord standing there and he says to them, and folks, this is not a comeback getting one better on you than you just got on me situation. Okay, I'm gonna get one up on you. God don't play games like that. That's for children to play. This is the creator of the universe standing in front of them who can look inside their human body and see their real spirit and know who's been influencing their lives the most, whether it's been God or Satan. So they had no idea who it was standing in front of him. And now you all are looking like, what Jesus is going to do now? How is he going to come back at this one? Can you see yourself standing there going, okay. You know, it's kind of like watching a tennis match. Okay, who got, who got the next volley? Watch this. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, I want to stop there for a moment. He said, if. Now, that word if in Greek can be translated because it's a living reality statement. It can be translated as S-I-N-C-E if they would have been Abraham's children spiritually. He, the statement would have went like this. Since you are Abraham's children, otherwise, if you would have loved God like Abraham did. Y'all catching that now? What's he saying? If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. If the spirit of Abraham was in you, you would do the works of Abraham. What was the works of Abraham? The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for what? Righteousness. He's 75 years old. God said, you're going to have a baby. And Abraham goes, okay. All right, pack up your bags and leave. Haran, okay. Go to a place where I'm going to show you. Okay. That man waited 25 years for a baby was born to him. The right baby. Not one from a concubine. Uh, hear that, brothers? No stuff on the side. That shouldn't I don't know where that come from. Anyway, God does not have illegitimate kids. All right? Now, so he really is telling them something spiritually. But they, their eyes could only understand and see the things which are physical. They did not know that the eternal God and the eternal Father was standing there speaking directly through the mouth of Jesus to them. So can you imagine now as you are watching this from the sideline and you can see the spirit of God in Jesus' body speaking directly to this crowd. What would your reaction be now if God will allow you to see the scriptures like this? See him speaking it to you in the spirit. And God is saying to you, I'm not only talking to Israel, but I'm also talking to you. If I was your father, you would do 
my works. That's why he got you standing on the sideline, watching. Because the same thing he's saying to them 2,000 years ago, he's saying to you now. Because with God, time is constant. Time is the same. There is no yesterday. There is no today and tomorrow when it comes to time with God. God sees time all as one. For you and I, he make it so our finite minds could understand yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Now, back to the scriptures. But now you seek to kill me. What? I want to take you back to Abraham. His first legitimate child is named, what, what was his name? Isaac. Would Isaac try to kill God? No. no. Would Isaac have disobeyed God? No. I want to take you to a very important point in Isaac's life. Are you ready? Abraham has been told by God to take Isaac and go to a mountain in which God has designated. Are you listening? And he said, take him. And when you get there, I will tell you what to do. So they journeyed for three days until they got to a place called Mount Moriah. Known today as, anybody know? Okay. Known today as the Mount of Olives. That same mountain range was Mount Moriah. The same place where Jesus was crucified. Whoa, that's deep. Now imagine God takes him there. Abraham leaves the servants behind because he doesn't want any interference. Him and Isaac ascend the mountain. Isaac is carrying a stack of wood. Abraham takes the rocks around him and he makes a makeshift altar. And he takes and he puts the wood around the altar. And he takes his son, his teenage son, maybe. He could have been a teenager or he could have been a preteen. Lays him on the makeshift altar. Ties him up. <laughs> Ties him up. But the son has to ask a very important question. Father, where is the sacrifice? And this before his father tied him up. And the father said, God will provide one. 
And it takes his only son, binds him with cords, and lays him on the altar. Isaac, 100% obedient. And at this time, maybe his mind is running a thousand miles an hour that his father just tied him up and laid him on an altar. Isaac didn't forget that. And the most terrifying moment of this child's life came when his father pulled out the knife and raised that knife above him and was ready to come down on him when God stopped him. This is the same God who called to Abraham, 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 touch not the lad. And Abraham drops the knife. This is the same God who's standing in front of Isaac's descendants, a portion of them at least, who now want to kill their God. And you now have been privileged by the Holy Spirit to see Isaac now and to see God in Jesus standing before Isaac's children who now wants to kill God's son, Jesus. The same God who rescued their father, Isaac, and who had stopped the sacrifice. They have no idea that this same God that did that for them, because had God allowed Abram to go through with that sacrifice, they would not be standing there. They did not know that the same God had come to rescue them from a spirit that was of the Antichrist and to give them the spirit of the true and living God. The same God that spared their father Isaac, Abraham's son. Can you see that they come from a bloodline that was completely obedient to God? Abraham obeyed God no matter how bad it was hurting him that day. Because the scripture later tells us, hundreds of years later, written by New Testament authors, said that Abraham believed if God would have had him kill Isaac that day, God was able to raise him from the dead. But God will raise a son from the dead. But it wouldn't be that one. It would be the one who now is standing before this crowd calling themselves telling him off. So now can you see this? This is what the scriptures are all about, everybody. You must see God alive in the scriptures. 
You must see Jesus alive in the scriptures. And it's no joke. This is a living reality, a real living event taking place in your presence. From the eternal God. Let's look on. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Listen now. Abraham did not do this. Well, let's, let's think logically about it. Why wasn't Abraham able to stand there and tell his children what he just heard from God? Well, number one, Abraham would have been about 5,000 years old. So logically, there was no way for it to happen. And the other thing, Abraham didn't tell his own son what he heard from God. Did you see that? <coughs> he just took the light up on the mountain and was ready to do what? Sacrifice him. He didn't tell his son that God has told me to take you up here on the mountain and then kill you. He kept it to him, what? Himself. And he took his son with him, knowing what he had to do. And God said, now that I see that you love me, because you have not withheld your only son from me. Because that was Abraham's most precious thing he had, was Isaac. Not Ishmael, but Isaac. And now Isaac's children, who, by the way, are Abraham's children, are now standing in front of God's son, wanting to kill him. He just said it. You're seeking to kill me. Had not been the glory of God in Christ, the spirit of Christ right then and there was the one who was stopping them from doing what? Killing him at that point. And all he tried to do was point them back to the truth and open their eyes to see what God has sent him there to do. That's all he tried to do with them. There you go, Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Uh-oh. An adoption somewhere along the line had taken place. In the spirit. Listen to me carefully. The spirit of Abraham is the spirit of God. Because Abraham loved God. And he, the Bible tells it once again, and he did what? He believed God. Therefore, Isaac also loved God. And he did what? He believed God. Now take it a step further. Then there came who? Jacob. As bad as Jacob was, yet in his heart, Jacob did what? He loved God. In fact, Jacob was so bold, he wrestled with God all night long. And early in the morning hours, it was that time when God did what? Hit him and crippled him and changed his name 
to Israel. Because his, his very name means is he who does what? Struggle or wrestle with God. Otherwise, yeah, God, you know, why I got to do this? You know, a person that seemed like always in contention with God. But yet God loved this man. He was the first human to see the gates of heaven open. Was he not? He said, I looked up and saw what coming out. The staircase of what? Heaven. With angels going up and down and God standing at the what? At the top of it. And yet, Jacob, look what your children trying to do to your God. Look at this. They had a different spirit in them. Are y'all getting this this morning? Because Abraham had the same spirit from his God. And Abraham is with God. Abraham loved God. Jesus would even talk about him. That the rich man and Lazarus saying that Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. Otherwise, Abraham is in paradise. God has given him that, that, that honor. But these kids somehow came by a different adoption. Somewhere along the line, they lost the focus that Abraham loved God and that he believed them. Somewhere along the line, they stopped believing God and stopped believing in themselves more than they did the scriptures. <coughs> Are you following me? Because the descendants of Abraham were the ones whom God chose to write this blessed book. And the prophets of old wrote down what God told them to write, and the true children of God believed God's word. But now there's a remnant of them standing there going, we don't believe this. We don't believe you are the Messiah. We don't believe you're the Son of God. We don't believe you're Emmanuel. Now, watch them get further disgusted. Brother, they, we hadn't even talked. We hadn't preached very far today, have we? All of this coming out. Then they said to him, okay, the tension is back on the crowd. The tension is back on the hostile crowd. We were not born of fornication. The complete Jewish Bible says it this way. We are not illegitimate children. What were they saying? We know what your mama did. Yeah. Oh, nasty thing. We know what Mary did. Our mama ain't like that. How low could they have hit? Not knowing that the one that just took a crack shot at is the same one who stands there before them purer than they are. Because they, they were conceived in sin. He was not. They had a man as their father. This is God's son. Born of who? Of the Holy Ghost. So he's pure. Pure than pure. And yet they're saying, your mom was nasty. We know what she did. And it's not Jesus going to come back and say, well, you want to play like that? That's not what he's doing here. He said, all right. So since you think you know who 
you are. You think you know who your father is. Let me tell you who your real father is. And folks, he's not pointing out a physical bloodline here. He's pointing out what kind of line? A spiritual line. Hello. And we see that division way, way back to Adam. Here's the division. The third son of Adam was the spiritual line. His name is Seth. Seth. All other king was of the devil. And it's very, very plain in the scripture that Cain is of the devil. It said it. Now Jesus is getting ready to say, now, all of y'all, now, who mama played the harlot spiritually now? And he wasn't talking about their spiritual mama. He's talking about something spiritual had conceived them. Now, what kind of spirit are you under now? Who's leading your life? Who were you birthed from? Watch what he tells them. <coughs> then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father. Once again, if you look at this from a reality standpoint and put instead of if, but S-I-N-C-E. Since God is your father, you would love me. Hello? For I proceeded forth and came from God. Now, Abraham could not make that statement, could he? He could not. Abraham heard God call him, and then he went. This one came all the way from heaven. And he's standing right there before them. Let's move on. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Yes, as the son of God, he didn't come on his own. He came at the obedience call of his father. But as God, he stepped down on him here himself. He came on his own. Abraham couldn't do that. Abraham couldn't create himself. Abraham couldn't put himself in human history. No. So, why do you not understand my speech? It's not a matter of him saying, are we understanding the same language here? It's a matter of him saying to them, we're not on the same spiritual wavelength. Why? Because you and I have different fathers. My father is God himself. If you want to talk about somebody being illegitimate, you're about to find out who's really a bastard child. Because that's what the word illegitimate means, bastard. You don't know who your daddy is. And they didn't because they claimed that God was their father, right? Let's look on. 
because you were not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, dog. You didn't know that you had another daddy. And the test results just showed this is your true father. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> now who's who who mama was who, watch it, clean it up, preacher. <laughs> Whose mama played the harlot? Huh? Who mama slept in another bed rather than the bed of her father? Uh, I mean her husband God. Your mama did. Instead of loving God, you love the devil. And therefore, you were conceived by Satan himself. There's a lot of folks on that sideline. There's a lot of them on that sideline observing this. Remember I told you, put yourself back there and you see thousands of the 21st century people around watching this scene unfold. And it's just a way for you to look at the scriptures. The scriptures are alive, folks. They're not dead, okay? And you're observing. And a lot of folks in that crowd just got called out and they just found out who their daddy is. Hello? A lot of folks sitting up in these houses and that's called churches just found out that the name on their spiritual birth certificate is not God. They've been playing with God all this time and then they know they had another daddy. And it's the devil himself. And they did not know that the Son of God was standing there in front of them about to adopt them. Come on. Did that go over y'all head? You missed that one, didn't you? They had no idea that God sent his Son at that moment in time to tell these illegitimate children that claimed to be in the kingdom of God that you're not my children, but I sent my son here so that you can be my children. Amen. Right. Yeah, somebody getting it. Come on, finally. So they're standing there, Shelly, and they're watching Brother David. And half of the crowd is now stunned. <laughs> But he did not leave them hopeless. Brother, in order for you to be set free, you must know the truth about yourself. Amen. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did not come to pull punches. He did not come to be popular. He come to tell men the truth about themselves, to tell them their true identity, to tell them who their true father is. Because the only way that you can be set free from sin, you must know that you are a sinner. And that's what he was doing. And they couldn't see it. But you must see it. I must see it. Look at it. 
Because you're not able to listen to my words, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you, what? Want to do. Change that word desire to nature. You have the nature of your father. Therefore, you are just like your father. You know the story of the scorpion and the frog? Both had to get across the lake. And the frog said, I'll give you a ride, but I'm afraid that you're going to do what? Sting me. And then we both will drown. And the scorpion said, no, I promise you, I won't sting you. And the frog said, are you sure? And the scorpion said, yes, I promise you, I won't sting you. Frog said, jump on. And they started out across the lake. And they get in the middle of the lake. What does the scorpion do? Sting. He stings the frog. The frog is swelling up and dying. And he said, but you promised me. And the scorpion said, I can't help it. Because it's who I am. And it is what I do. Why? Because it's my nature. Folks, sinners sin because it's their nature. We sin because it is our nature. Therefore, Jesus Christ came to deliver us from our nature. Because we had the nature of our father, the devil. Now it's time to tell you. Last Monday, a gentleman was brought here for me to counsel with him because he was an alcoholic. He lost everything living on the streets. Some friends went and rescued him, brought him up here, got him into a place sending him to church. I have, my wife and I both, truly y'all don't know everything about us, are both counselors. Mine's from Christian counseling. I know how to counsel addicts. And he and I talked. One evening, for an extended period of time, and I asked him, as the Spirit was leading me, to trust Jesus. And I talked to him about the night in which Jesus told his disciples, you trust in God, trust also in me. And I said, you believe in God. I said, but now you've got to put your trust and your belief in Jesus. And we talked about that. And he broke down and he cried and he did a number of things. And we talked more and then we prayed and I told him God loves him. And God cares deeply for him. 
Friday, I was sitting in that chair talking to Shelly. Shelly was right over there. Phone ring. Chris brought me the phone. It was Father Ray from the Anglican Church. He had been working with this guy, so both of us. He said, Sammy, this morning, this person's boss went to go look for him to get him a ride to work. He walked in the backyard and found him hanging from a tree. It's not my job, job to judge this person. That belongs to God and God alone. <clears throat> but I ask God, how did I miss the warning signs? As far as I didn't see in the indicators to say that he was headed in that route. Matter of fact, we had talked. I said, it's one way that I would break confidentiality. If I detect that you're going to hurt yourself or someone else. I have no choice but to report it. Because pastors are not. You know, we can't keep that kind of information to ourselves. By law, we have to report it. Counselors, my wife knows this too. They have to report it. The Holy Spirit showed me he had made peace with it before he came to see me. I was just his confirmation, I guess. And they said they think he hung himself shortly after midnight and had been drinking again. So you see your father, the devil, does not care about you. Those that are out there that think that they can live away from the one true God and his son, Jesus, and live in this world without ever being adopted by Jesus into the family of God, thinking that they can do things their way, live their way, and please themselves and worship any kind of way they want to, don't know that the one that they're worshiping don't even care about them. That he come to manipulate, he come to lie and to deceive and to kill and to destroy. He lies every day to humans because it is his nature to lie. This is what Jesus is saying. Listen. He's talking about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. Other words, from his nature. For he's a liar and the father of it. Folks, the world does not know that it's under the sway of the devil. It does not know that Satan does not care about them. 
And if you try to come at them from that point of view, they'll tell you you're crazy. Get away from me with that witchcraft stuff. Well, you may call it whatever you want to. If you're not living for the one true God, you're living for the God of this world. And that's all to it. And Jesus was standing in front of this crowd, giving them the heart of God. He was not pushing them away from God. He was drawing them to God. But all they could see was a poor man from Nazareth who called himself the son of God. But the very works themselves should have told them that he is God. None of the prophets have ever done what Jesus did. Yes, Elijah raised a man from the dead. That is true. Yes, one called up and closed the heavens and it didn't ring for three and a half years. Yes, another one opened up the sea. Yes, another one opened up the River Jordan. Yes, they did great and extraordinary, extraordinary things. The Bible called great exploits. However, none of them was able to do what the Son of God did. In 1,500 years of recorded history of Israel, up to this point, none of the prophets were able to do combined what Jesus did in a single day. And you know what it was? Jesus showed them the glory of God up front and close and personal. So he just called them out. Verse 45, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? Folks, this is absolutely with certainty the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And John the Baptist had told some of their relatives about him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But they didn't want to listen. All they could see, oh, your mama played the harlot. That's the best you can do. But the Son of God had something for them, and it was far greater than cynicism. He had the bread of life for them. He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. People that have not changed in 2,000 years. People don't want to hear the gospel because they don't belong to God. It takes the spirit of God to convict the heart of sin where the heart can hear the word of God. You and I 
cannot hear God's voice without the Spirit of God going into our spirit and helping us to hear what God is saying, believe what God is saying, and then give in to what God is saying. Amen. Without him, we cannot come to Jesus. And Jesus made it very plain, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And it's the Spirit of God that draw, drew every one of us into the heart and arms of Christ. Amen. We didn't go on our own. No way. And I don't care what kind of circumstance you want to say, well, I was in drugs and God delivered me. God don't care about the drugs. He cared about you. Okay? And you could have been living the most wholesome life there is. You still a sinner before God without Jesus. And if the Holy Ghost don't go after you, you're not going to be saved. Powerful word, verse 48. Then the Jews answered and said to him, okay, y'all looking at the crowd again? The Jews are now saying to him, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan? Let's stop here for a minute. They just told him his mama put messed around on his daddy. <laughs> right? Now they just told him, not only did your mama mess around on your daddy, but you're a half-breed. Because <laughs> that's what Samaritans are. They're a mixed race of people. Half Jew and half Gentile. So how much nastier could they have gotten? And then to top it off, they're going to put some icing on the cake. And you got a demon in you. <laughs> Whoa. Now they just gave him their best shot. Okay? This is it. He's been knocked down. He's not coming back from this one. They just nailed him. Bam! Right? Folks. God loves these people so much that he stood firmly and refused to be moved by the onslaught. These people had to know the truth about themselves in order for the Son of God to set them free. And he was not about to sugarcoat it for them or anyone else. He's about to tell them things that they needed to hear. No matter how bad they just slandered him. Because God, in John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order through him, the world might be saved. Be saved. You go, boy. <laughs> if any time that he wanted to kill them all, it could have been then. For what they just said. But instead, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that through him, the world might be saved. And people, they couldn't see this. They've grown things around about now. 
Okay? They're ready to eat him up. Look around you now in our country. What's happening to church folks? The true church. We are being assaulted left and right for standing on our Christian beliefs, the word of God. And the world is telling us, you are wrong. And we are right. We didn't write the book. The author and the creator of the word of God is God himself. And the one who is the word of God is now standing before a hostile crowd and they don't even know that in the beginning, he, the one who's talking to them, is the word and the word was what? With God and the word was God. Standing there speaking to them. And he haven't stopped speaking since. He's still speaking to us today. Amen. Let's move on. Because I've been in growth hair before I finish this. <laughs> and Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. That's what it's all about. If you think, Vernon, life is all about you, and Sam, if you think life evolves around you, you got another thought coming. God put the human race here for one reason. That's to honor him. Amen. Period. And Jesus said, as a human, I did, I did not come with exception to that rule. I came to honor God too. <coughs> He didn't dishonor his father, even in the midst of this crazy crowd. All right? I know some of y'all want to go to sleep right now. The Holy Ghost is going to finish this sermon. <laughs> Listen, it's very important that you get this. Jesus is talking now. And he said, and you dishonor me. People. Those folks that stand in picket lines and hold up signs and saying, it's our body, our choice. Just dishonored Jesus, the author and creator of life. And by dishonoring Jesus, they just dishonored God. Because you read in John's first chapter of his book, he said, nothing came into existence without him. I mean, Jesus is the creator of the universe and all life. So when you hold up a sign and say, it's my body, and Jesus can say to you, but it's my life. It came forth for me. You have no rights to it. But that's the world we live in. The same kind of hostile world that Jesus was facing in. They did not want to hear the truth. So they dishonored him, verse 50, and I do not seek my own glory. Never ever in any of Jesus' sermons, of any of his talks, did he go and say, I did this. 
<laughs> go ahead and clap for me. I did that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Pat me on the back. That feel good. No. He never, ever did that. Even when the rich young ruler said, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? You know, the first thing Jesus did, don't you call me good. There's only one good, and that's God. He always pointed to who? His father. He never took any glory for himself. I mean, it's gone. We're getting there. There is one, talking about God, who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Now, people, this is the author of life. So he should know what he's talking about. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. I wonder what they think now. Imagine thousands upon thousands of millions of people throughout human history who have denied the same Jesus, especially since the days of Jerusalem when Jesus was there and all the way up to the last trumpet when Jesus returns. How many humans will see the truth and feel very, very, very rotten that they didn't believe in him? Because he spoke the truth to them and they didn't believe. He spoke the truth through us and they didn't believe. I'm not wearing this wire so that y'all can hear me. I'm wearing this wire so people around the world can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and know the truth of Jesus and Jesus will set them free. They would know that he is the son of God. And that God had sent him. We're about finished. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keep my, keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? In today's time, Melissa, they would say, who do you think you are? <laughs> y'all looking on the sideline, y'all kind of get juggling. <laughs> they don't know they're talking to God. At one time, neither did you. In your old former life, you didn't understand that either. And Jesus had to come and set you free. So it's easy to be a sideline quarterback and say, oh, you should have did this, you should have did that. What about when you was out there before Jesus saved you? None of us was born saved. All of us fall under the saving grace of God by Jesus. Amen? Amen. So it's easy to sit back and go, <laughs> <laughs> some stupid people <laughs> and we go and God through the apostle Paul said and such were you hmm. okay Lord Sam and Nelson name was not always written on the scroll of life of the lamb 
Amen? Amen. All right. Jesus answered. Here it is. If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him because, but, excuse me, not because, but I know him. People, God will not dishonor himself. He will not. God will not dishonor himself. Okay? God will not dishonor himself. Neither will God deny himself. Remember that. I don't care how smart you may get. Your fancy talking does not change things with God. Okay? So who do you make yourself out to be? And, and Jesus just told him, look. Uh, you remember you just told me you know who your father was? But Jesus just told him, well, I know who mine is. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, ditto, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Back at you. Why? Because I came from him. But you can't tell me where you come from. You keep saying Abraham. <laughs> and Jesus looked at him. No, you didn't, because you didn't come from the same spirit as, as Abraham come from. You come from another spirit. Ooh, I wonder if he flashed a motion picture up there for him, boy. They would be shocked, wouldn't they? All right. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. How would you like to be called a liar by God? I don't think I could stand. But I do, but I do know him. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's holding his ground. As a human man. Because remember, he's both the son of man and the son of God. He is fully man and fully God. That does not change. So as a human standing before them, he's not denying his true existence. He's not denying his true identity. He knows where he come from. And he knows who he is. So it says, but I know him and keep his word. Folks, to know God is to obey God. Your, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. In other words, Jesus said, I told Abraham that I was coming as a human. And Abraham goes, oh, he's on his way. And Abraham got happy. Because Abraham knew what that meant for the world. Amen. Abraham knew that the Savior was coming. He was coming to redeem mankind. Coming to bring man out of sin and back to God. And Abraham was happy. Oh yeah, he's on his way. And Abraham was blessed 
by God to know that he was coming through his seed. Woo! I'd have danced too. I think I'd have invented the moonwalk if I'd have been Abraham. <laughs> Stop preaching. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're not finishing. I don't know where that comes from. So Abraham said, I, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. And the spirit God showed him. He's here, Abraham. Abraham dancing in paradise. Yeah, there he is. My children can be saved now. Okay? Because Abraham knew what that meant. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. Oh, they finally spoke something true. Yeah, he, he wasn't 50 years old. He was in his 30s. Okay? And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, what did he say? Before Abraham was, I am. Now, what did that statement do to those Jews standing there? What did Jesus just say to them? I am God. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Now, they had a little bit of sense about them, okay? They, they, they had a little cleverness about them because they knew what that statement meant as we get ready to close out here. Then they took up stones to throw at him. Remember now. Why did they pick up the stones to throw at him? Huh? Why did they pick up the stones? Why though? You got to look beyond that. They were children of the devil. That's true. But why did they want to stone him? They hated him. That's right. But why did they want to stone him? Say again. Because they knew that he just told them, I am your God. Amen. Who was before Abraham. And now they're really going to get him. And people, they came after him. But it wasn't Jesus' time yet. Look at the closing part of that. Come on up, Miss Vicky. Look at the closing part of this. But Jesus hid himself. <coughs> Melissa, that tells you if he's hiding, they did what? They came after him. They had it in. That's it. We're taking you out. And you're standing on the sideline going, no, 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 no. Don't do that. You don't want to make that mistake. No, stop. You don't understand. He's telling you the truth. Don't you dare go after him. He's telling you the truth. Why? Because you've been blessed with the Bible to know the rest of the story. And you're standing there going, Tom, please, stop it. Hear him out. Because it's to your benefit. He's here not to give, you know, to harm you, but to give you life. To give you peace and everlasting joy. 
But he hid himself and went out of the temple, gone through the midst of them, and so passed by. Folks, they didn't even realize that a man just transformed himself back into spirit and walked right through them. And they didn't even see him. Only God could do that. So you see, this has been a very long sermon, Mr. David. What is it, four parts, five parts, something like that it was? The same thing that Jesus did that day, he's doing today through us. He still wants us to stand before the hostile crowds and speak the truth. He still wants us to proclaim his name and, and tell people that God is his father and that God sent him. He wants people to know that. And in doing so, his presence, his word, his spirit sets them free. And he makes them sons and daughters of God, his father. He invites them into the eternal kingdom of God. This was something else. This was something else. So let me encourage you. Take what God showed you today. Standing on the sideline as an eyewitness of this account in the spirit. And you take that and you run with it. And you tell that drug addict, you tell that alcoholic, you tell that adulteress, and, and you tell that woman abuser and that child abuser, and you tell that thief and that robber and that murderer and that sinner, all of them who don't have Jesus, and you tell them the truth about who they are. Don't sugarcoat it, because if you do, you're just like them. You're under the spirit of the devil. You tell them the truth about their lives. Jesus was not popular standing in front of that crowd. You don't need to be popular. You need to be God-filled person speaking the truth of Christ to a dead people so that God can bring them a life right in front of you. Amen. That's what you need to do. You change people's lives. Look at me. I was one of those dead people. And I'm alive in Christ. Okay? And if you're one of those people, you too will testify. I was one of them people in that crowd. But his spirit helped me hear what he was saying. And that's why I'm here today to tell you all about it. Every head bow. Father, in the name of Jesus, these are your people. Lord, we don't know who know you and who don't, but your spirit does, Lord Jesus. And we're asking you to touch every heart that hear your gospel. Help them to believe and place their trust in you, Lord. And in doing so, you will make them a son or daughter of God because you will tell them the truth about themselves, just as you were doing that crowd in Jerusalem. And they was in the most holiest place on earth. They was at the temple. 
and yet raising hell. But you was compassionate. You did not give in, but you spoke the truth to them. And so, Lord, help your children by your spirit. Fill us once again with your Holy Spirit so that we can go out and speak your truth to this world. Help us now, Lord, to continue to love one another with the love that you love us with. And to let men and women know there's but one God. And that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there's but one true Savior of the world. And that's the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, who's the way, the truth, and the life, who, who the, have declared that no one can come to you, Father, except through him. Help us to proclaim this now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.